Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back, everybody, to Man vs. Machine. Tonight is another Man and Machine discussion. Uh, we have really liked when the algorithm matches up with uh, my rankings. Dario and I tonight are going to be discussing a set of players at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, talking about one that we're fading, one that we like at each one of those positions. But before we dive in, Dario, how are you doing today? Good, good. You know, just another week. It's... May, it feels like the with with best ball mania having started over on underdog, it just feels like fantasy football season is really starting to be upon us. I mean, we're going to be doing even more projections as as we've uh, been talking about in our emails lately. And pretty soon it's going to be Scott Fishbowl. And then, you know, before you know it, it's just going to be completely we're going to be inundated and July and August are going to be here like in a blink. So it's kind of exciting. It's kind of nerve-wracking it's you know we're just one step closer to the actual thing yeah i can't believe it's already may i've been over here now three months with with player profiler officially kind of working behind the scenes uh quietly uh you know this this past few months but um you and i have been busy at work since february punching in projections and rankings got them all updated we've agreed on a lot of things we've disagreed on a few things but typically the man and the machine are in you know in unison on a lot of these rankings uh, which is reassuring from you from an algorithm standpoint, from me from a more film analysis standpoint, um, blending these two together, finding some common ground, finding things that we like and dislike. Um, but yeah, I can't believe it's May already. We're going to be in June. We're still rolling out updates. We have a lot coming up and planned. Um, and so really excited for what we have on the roadmap here at Player Profiler. But before we kick off quarterback, let's just take a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to dive in right to these quarterback, running back, wide receivers, and tight ends, uh, ADP and underdog versus our rankings here at Player Profiler. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now in the offseason, I get into baseball, I get into basketball, and my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy, because Rival Fantasy has challenges where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together, pick one. Point guards, 
pick one. Spoiler alert, you should pick Damian Lillard. <laughs> or they have the fantasy book where you could pick over, under, over, under, over, under, and up to five guys. And then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under across the board, get your fantasy bingo card set, submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is with promo code PLAYER, they refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is PLAYER on RivalFantasy.com. Go have some fun. All right, let's jump into these um, underdog rankings or or ADP versus our projections. The first one we want to talk about the quarterback position is Anthony Richardson. Safe to say that we are both fading Anthony Richardson at ADP. He's going currently as quarterback number 10 on underdog. He is our quarterback 24. So it's safe to say if you are using our projections and rankings, you will not be owning much, if any at all, Anthony Richardson. Dario? Yeah, I mean, this is one where... I mean, I want to like Anthony Richardson. I think that he's I've told people that if I, you know, had been the Panthers GM this year, I think there's a very strong chance I would have taken him number one overall. I think upside is, you know, how you find the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes of the world. But aside from Patrick Mahomes, all of these guys kind of struggle in year one, right? Think of Jalen Hurts his first year. He showed flashes with the rushing upside, but he was not the fully formed QB one in fantasy that we have seen last year. Josh Allen, his first year, really struggled with accuracy, his completion percentage. I mean, the turnaround that Josh Allen had was remarkable. But these raw upside profiles, I think, just are very unlikely to hit massively on their upside in year one. I don't think Gardner Minshew is as big of a threat as, say, like an Andy Dalton, where someone with a little bit more starter experience potentially gets that job from the coaching staff. I think that Anthony Richardson does have a decent shot of starting in week one. And, you know, once we get that news, I'm sure he would go up in our projections big time. But for me, it's just hard to see how he pays off at this price. I mean, he's skyrocketed since the tournament opened, but it still just seems a little bit extreme. It is extreme. I mean, so like we haven't projected right now for 13 games, which, you know, four games, Gardner Minshew, it's a pretty modest approach. But even if we punch in 15, 16 games, like he's not going higher than quarterback 18, 17 range. And and I understand he's got the athleticism. He's got this upside from the rushing potential. But you take a look at what he did in college from a completion percentage, and it has to be a little bit of a concern at NFL level, right? 53.8% completion percent last year uh, in, in 12 games in college, 59% in seven games in 2021, 50% in three games in 2020. So we do know that him as a pocket passer is not his strength, right? When he comes to the NFL, people are a little bit faster. They're a little bit quicker. They're, you know, his rushing ability is still going to be his strength, but he's going to have one less step compared to the players that he played in college. Mm-hmm. And so we have to consider that as well. Love him as a talent. If you go ahead and look at him over at Player Profiler, he was the you know number the one most, most athletic quarterback in our database all yeah, time, all time, which is which is phenomenal. But again, like you said. Year one, we have to temper our expectations. People are drafting him on underdog right now as a top 10 quarterback. So if we go over to the quarterback rankings, they're taking him ahead of Dak Prescott, ahead of Tua, ahead of Kirk Cousins, ahead of Daniel Jones. Those are the ones in the near kind of immediate range. He is going 
three spots behind Deshaun Watson right now. And <laughs> that's and wild. It, it's like I, I understand the upside. I understand the 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 rushing ability and, and the um the lure of it, but you have to look at this offense as a whole and say, okay, well, does he have all the other weapons that are going to support him in this cast? Right. We saw the offensive line struggle last year. Yeah, not good from a rushing standpoint. Outside of of you know one receiver, he's there's some question marks in the receiving game, and they also have a really good running back by the name of Jonathan Taylor on the rushing. There's going to be rushing behind him in, in the backfield, and so when they get to the goal line, they may be tempted to hand it to him as well. So I don't get the allure of people wanting to take him as a top ten quarterback, top fifteen, sure, go ahead, throw the dice, go ahead and and throw a dart against the wall, top sixteen, seventeen, sure, top ten, I'm out. I, I won't own any at that price, Dario. What about you? Yeah, I think that so if you look at look at just PPR points per game among quarterbacks in our projections, he does come in closer to, you know, quarterback, I think 12, 11, 12, 13 in that range, which is closer to this ADP. But like like you said, we don't know yet how many games he's going to play. I mean, obviously, a tournament like this, I think the part of the reason people are steaming him up surely is that he will very likely be the starter by the time those playoff weeks roll around and all that money's on the table. But just in the week and a half since this tournament opened, his ADP has gone from 122 to 84. So he's jumped 40 spots in ADP pretty much. And that's just, I mean, I hope you guys all got a little bit of exposure right when this tournament opened. Maybe this will correct a little bit, but I don't know. I hate to bring up the Trey Lance comparison, but it does feel a little bit like that where you have a guy getting that seventh round ADP because of his nuclear upside. And I mean, I'll admit I was burned by Trey Lance last year. I think I drafted more Lance than Justin Fields. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's just, I think it's it's a, another guy who who's a little bit raw. I just think in year one, it's tough to see him providing you know a better contribution to your fantasy team than say a Dak Prescott or a Tua I mean even Daniel Jones was the QB8 last year so it just seems like all all in all our projections versus the underdog ADP are screaming that Anthony Richardson is a fade right now not to not to beat a dead horse Dario but who who was the one who told you that uh people might be overdrafting Trey Lance Hmm. I don't know. Somebody here, <laughs> somebody here just might be, might, might be, you know, might, might've been that person, but uh, l- let's move on to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is our the one that we are actually targeting in underdog drafts right now, according to our rankings. Um, so if you just joined us, we are fading Anthony Richardson at his cost of quarterback 10 versus our rankings at quarterback 24. We are liking Russell Wilson right now. Who's going as underdogs quarterback 18. He is our quarterback 11 inside of projections. Let's talk about why we like Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, quarterback 11 seems pretty high for Russell Wilson when everything that could have possibly gone wrong last year did. Um, I don't know if you've read some of those articles in The Athletic, kind of like those deeper dives into what was causing the Broncos dysfunction. But like Russell Wilson had his own office on the second floor where all the coaches had offices, whereas the rest of the players were in the locker room. Like it was just a complete, complete like lack of leadership I think from from Nathaniel Hackett and we saw how badly that team was managed and I think we saw a little bit more sparks for hope in those games after Hackett was fired it seemed like that you know Jerry Judy had some nice games they kind of you know once they 
they got someone a little bit better in the driver's seat, Russell Wilson was kind of able to piece it back together. And it is a big jump, I think, to say that he he would to guarantee that he'll be a top 12 quarterback again. But we do know that Sean Payton worked with another undersized quarterback and has engineered some of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. So that, to me, is a very, very big green flag in Russell Wilson's favor. Yeah, so I want to talk just talk about 2022 before we dive into 2023 projections. Last year was Russell Wilson's lowest completion percentage of his career, 60.5%. One of his lowest yards per attempt year at 7.3. The other two lowest were 2017 at 7.2. And that was it. So second lowest of his career. He still finished as quarterback 18. Like you said, everything went wrong in this offense, right? And people have heard me talk about being on a new team, whether you're a quarterback, a receiver, those two in, in particular, when you have to worry about chemistry with the player that you're throwing to or receiving the ball from, right? And so I talk about red flags. Last year, we had a red flag, Russell Wilson with a bunch of new receivers, one, right? He's on a new team, red flag two. He has a new coach, new system, right? There's a ton of red flags. Typically, why I like to fade players when they are in the, this many or have this many changes going into another year. And so, you know, despite all that, I ignored the signals last year because it was Russell Wilson, right, who previously had finished as a quarterback 13 of fantasy points per game, quarterback six, quarterback six, quarterback 13, quarterback one. So consistently a quarterback one in fantasy, right? And so last year, like I said, finishes quarterback 18. But to your point, Dario, Hackett was fired, kind of came on hot down the end of the year. So in three of the last four weeks of the season, so weeks 14, 17, 18, and I know there's some debate amongst week 18, but let's let's go ahead and just, you know, divulge me here a little bit. Week 14 against Kansas City, he finishes quarterback three with 26.6 fantasy points. He comes back against the, the Rams, which were which are pretty, you know, tough defensively last year uh, in some games, not all the games, but they finished, he finishes quarterback 22 that week, but then he tops off the season with a quarterback five finish again versus Kansas City, and then comes against the Chargers and finishes quarterback two for the week. So, we have to like the fact that he was able to turn things around, kind of get momentum going into the offseason, as you as as you discussed, right? But the other part was he had injured receivers last year. No one was really on the field all together, right? Judy was injured. They had there was, you know, um Dulcich came off off the injured reserve. So there Tim was a Patrick lot of times tearing his ACL before the season two, of course. Yeah, there was a, a lot. I mean, and not to mention, you know, the running back. So we had all these injuries. We had you know, a coaching just shit show, excuse my French, but <laughs> everything that happened, new team, new offense, new coaches, everything kind of came together and brewed this perfect storm for him to create, you know, this this poor situation. Well, here he is now, you know, a year with chemistry now with his receiving core, right? Another year with the offensive line. He's got a new coach, so that is something to be, you know, at least consider. However, this regard, I look at it as a good thing because Sean Payton has shown, proved to be an offensive-minded coach, which we're going to think is going to use the strengths of Russell Wilson to his benefit here inside 2023. So love what, what the Denver Broncos did from a coaching perspective, went out and kind of cleaned house, brought in a whole new whole new system with coaches, like, like what they did on that point. They're going to play to Russell Wilson's strengths, still like his weapons, right? He still has a lot of good weapons. Cortland Sutton was by all means, maybe underperformed the last couple of years, but here we are now with another year with, with, with Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy is going to be, you know, back here healthy. Um, 
the running game is going to be kind of a second thought to begin the season with injuries there at, at, at the position. So we're expecting them to pass more. We're expecting them to lean into the passing game a little bit more. And for that reason, we're higher on Russell Wilson. And we have him, like I said, quarterback 18 in our rankings and underdog, uh, sorry, backwards, quarterback 11 in our rankings and underdog right now is quarterback 18. Yeah, and I think that too, one thing that is going to be, I think the biggest narrative of the offseason in best ball is just how much more the high elite tier quarterbacks is, is being drafted earlier. So, I mean, those guys like the Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they're all going in the top 20 picks. We've never seen that before. Usually top quarterback would settle somewhere in the low 30s in ADP. Quarterback five would be somewhere around pick 60. But now we've got quarterback five going pick 35. And so that also brings up that really kind of, it's almost like there's a quarterback dead zone forming, I think, where you have guys like, I mean, I hate to say it, but Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Anthony Richardson, who don't really have that quarterback one ceiling in their range of outcomes. And then those guys are somehow now going 50 picks ahead of Russell Wilson because of the way that quarterback ADP is spreading out more. So I think that getting Russ in the 10th, 11th round of your best ball drafts is a much better pick than taking Dak Prescott in the eighth. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, I, 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 it's crazy. I can't believe Richardson's going as quarterback 10. All right, moving along. I don't know how to say this, but I am get, I am completely out on B. John Robinson at his ADP. He's going right now, Dario, as RB2. RB2! Yeah, he hasn't even a, stepped foot on the NFL <laughs> field yet. Had a massive double take when I saw that yesterday, getting, you know, getting ready for our show sheet here. And... What I mean, it's fuck? it's pretty baffling to see his name ahead of, oh, I don't know, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler, last year's RB1. I, I get it. Okay, I get it. His athleticism is great. He's an ideal size running back. He landed in a position in a position they're going to run the ball a lot. They still have Tyler Algier, though, right? And so it's not like he's, I don't, he's not going to see 300 plus carries in his rookie season. It's not going to happen. Where people are drafting him right now, is saying he's going to get 80-plus targets, he's going to have 2,000 all-purpose yards, and he's going to have 12 to 15 touchdowns. That's what's what the underdog ADP is saying. Yeah, this it's is, basically saying he's this the is next crazy. Adrian Peterson. He's Jesus himself on the football field right now as RB2, because Christian McCaffrey is God, right? And and so this is insane. I, I get it. I like Bijan as a talent as well. Love him in Dynasty. This is where we need to separate our hats from dynasty and to redraft because as as great of a prospect as Bijan is, he has yet to step foot on the NFL field. It's Arthur fucking Smith who refuses to use people <laughs> in a capacity and take and take you know their strengths and use them against defenses. He has Kyle Pitts and refuses to use them. I understand Arthur Smith wants his Derrick Henry and he got him with Bijan Robinson. But to say that they're going to completely ignore the passing game and they're going to give Bijan every passing attempt, every rushing attempt, it's just negligence from the fantasy football world. RB2 is now above his, uh, this is crazy, like him being drafted as RB2 now is above the ceiling. Like I thought RB5, 6 was the ceiling of where he's yeah, was me being too. drafted I thought at. like, okay, you'll have to take him around 10th overall. Late first round pick is probably where he'll settle in. And now he's going smack in the middle of the first round. And you mentioned Derrick Henry. I saw him go pick three the other day. 
Derek first Henry, round round 1.03. Henry did not get 300 carries until his fourth year in the league. Like, I don't know if you remember, but with Derrick Henry, when he came into the league, it was like, what, what, what are the Titans doing? Like, they should be using him way more. So I think that I think that the Falcons have made it clear that they like Tyler Algier and they want a stable of running backs. And that does not mean that Bijan Robinson is going to be a bell cow from the jump. And that also doesn't mean that that he's going to get way more receptions than he ever had in college. Because if you look at his college numbers, his high is 26 receptions. I mean, sure, he was he's amazing down the field. You could say, wow, he's a he's made so many great catches. But I think that the volume with which he was used as a receiver is, is often being overstated. I mean, people talk about him like he caught 60 passes every year at Texas but he didn't even catch 60 passes over the course of the three years he was at Texas. So I think people are overstating his passing ability. Coaches always overhype how much they're going to use a running back in the slot and how much they're going to target him and how much he's an offensive weapon. And I think that that's kind of their way of coping with the fact that they just burned a first round pick on fire with a running back. But it, it just seems impossible for Bijan to get to the numbers that people are projecting for him. Even if we hear, I'm going to do a live projection update just for hypotheticals. Let's get him in here at 62% of the rush here, which is a lot. Okay. That gives him above little above 300 carries. Where did that take him in the running back rankings? He's still not RB two. He's RB three. He's RB three. That's with 301 carries. And that's with how much in the passing game. Let's go back to the projection. That's already with, let's see. 50 targets and 300 carries. That's pretty, pretty optimistic. I'd say <laughs> Jesus Christ. And that's with, that's with 11 and a half touchdowns on the ground and another, what is it? Two, two in the air. So that's exactly what we said. 300, 300 carries, 12 to 15 touchdowns. Uh, this is ridiculous. The Bijan hype has gone too far, folks. You got, we got to stop. Got to stop. Or you can take him around one. I'll is, take everyone else. I think that, it, it's it is very clear that he's the RB one in Dynasty already before he's ever set foot on the field, but I think to draft him this high and redraft is yeah it, it's a little bit like a malpractice maybe <laughs> malpractice good word it's good <laughs> fantasy egregiousness right um, let's go ahead let's move on to a, a running back that we are actually liking at ADP and this actually was not the case for me pre draft so this. This point of view changed for me when this team did not select a running back worth really noting, and that's going to be Joe Mixon. Underdog ADP rankings right now is RB21. He comes in on our projections as running back number 15. Um, as far as we're concerned, Joe Mixon is going to be a bangle. I mean, it seems to be like he tried everything in his power to get fired this offseason. Um, <laughs> they talked about wanting to possibly let him go all these legal issues, and yet still he remains on the team. It, they have yet to really add any veteran presence here, right? We got Chase Brown who was added. Chris Evans is still here. Trayvon Williams is still here. But outside that, Joe Mixon's still the RB1. And so we have to start you know, looking at this and saying, okay, the Bengals' actions are speaking louder than their words. And amongst the other analyst words or news reporter words, 
And we need to start seriously considering Joe Mixon again, because even in a conservative ranking, and ours is conservative, these projections, because if we knew today he was clear of all legal issues, we knew today that they weren't going to be, you know, removing him from the team and that he was going to, you know, continue in the same capacity he did last year. I'd argue that he could be inside the top 12 again. But this is this is us kind of baking in some of that uncertainty. Um, We have him for 52 percent of the rush share. It's 226 carries. Uh, at seven and a half touchdowns, just under a thousand yards, nine hundred four rushing yards. That gets him to nine uh, percent of the target share, fifty-five targets, forty-one point seven receptions, one point seven receiving touchdowns, and three hundred thirteen yards in the air. Comes in as RB fifteen. So I'm back on. I'm back on the Joe Mixon train. I mean, we like this offense. We like what they've done. They're improving the offensive line. There's. As far as I'm concerned, Joe Mixon's still in the Bengals. I'm drafting him, Dario. What about yeah, you? I, I've seen this situation compared a little bit to Josh Jacobs last season where the sexiness of picking Joe Mixon is negative a trillion. Like there's nothing fun or good or exciting about drafting Joe Mixon on an underdog in the year 2023. But like you said, the touches should be there. It's still going to be an elite offense. And last year, aside outside of the five touchdown game, which was just a huge touchdown regression anomaly, he underperformed the rest of the season in the touchdown department. He was a massive outlier in terms of touchdown regression for the number of opportunities he was getting inside the five-yard line and the number of touchdowns that that should have led to. So I think maybe people feel a little bit burned by him because last year, most of the season, he was underproducing, but the role that he had was very solid. And I think Samaje Pirine being gone actually opens up chances for him to be used even more in the passing game. We've seen that they like having that other two-minute drill running back. And Samaj Pirine was very good in that role. And Samaj Pirine was very good when he was filling in for an injured Joe Mixon. And right now, there's no guarantee that Travion Williams or Chase Brown or Chris Evans are going to be able to become that. So I think there's actually a little bit of upside that Joe Mixon has that is not being talked about or priced in at all. And then, I mean, if you look at some of the guys going ahead of him, like, Miles Sanders is running back 17 on underdog. We have Miles Sanders as our running back 25 and Mixon as our running back 15 while underdog has him as running back 21. So there are some clear, clear values, I think, to be, you know, exploited right now. And Joe Mixon, like I said, I mean, it's kind of funny. We're fading Bijan a little bit, probably more than a little bit (laughs) because (laughs) of, I think, I think the name value is taking his ADP way too high. And with Joe Mixon, the name value is taking his ADP a little bit too low. So, you know, get your exposure to Joe Mixon. It's not going to feel good, but the points are going to roll in. Other names in his area. Let's look at underdog. So you mentioned a couple, but let's look at DeAndre Swift right now is going four spots behind him. Jesus. Right. Swift inside of our rankings comes in as RB 27. So there's 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 another, you know, that's 10 spots behind our rankings alone not four spots behind ADP. A um, couple other names in the same vicinity. Um, we have Pacheco, who is going there, what is that, six spots behind? Where's Pacheco in our rankings? Pacheco is four. Nope, no, no, no. Pacheco He's is running back 26. Yeah, so it's, you know, that's that's another nine spots behind in ours. He's 24. No, he shows 24 is our ranking, no? When was the last time you refreshed? Oh, I'm on underdog. Are you oh, on underdog? Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about our seasonal rankings because our, our underdog rankings, as we've talked about on oh, a previous right. episode, I think we we factor in ADP into our underdog rankings so that when you guys are drafting 
you know, you have a little bit more balanced exposure, kind of have a better idea of when everyone's going to be available. Our rankings also show the ADP, so you can just compare right there directly to see who we're higher or lower on. And then um, in pure, in terms of pure projections, yeah, Pacheco is running back 26. And so it makes sense that brings him up to like 24, 25, you said, in our underdog rankings. Makes sense. So what we're saying is grab your shares of Joe Mixon while you can, while the community is low on him, because once we have... Once camp rolls around and he's taking snaps and he's on this offense, I think his ADP is going to start climbing, Dario. Yeah, and I think right now there's a big, like, kind of, you know, we talked about the quarterback shift in ADP this offseason. The running back shift versus the running back receiver balance is very different than we've ever seen um, in the history of underdog, frankly. So right now, I think running backs are being a tiny bit undervalued. I mean, like, Josh Jacobs going in the third round kind of surprised me to see that. So I think a lot of these running backs that have very solid roles with big volume are going to creep up in ADP as the wide receiver heat right now kind of cools off. Well, let's move along to the wide receiver position. A couple names we want to talk about. Um, let's start with the receiver that we're fading uh, at cost right now, and that's DJ Moore. So came over from Carolina to the Bears. Underdog ADP slash rankings is wide receiver 19. He's our wide receiver 29 inside of our rankings. And it's not that we dislike DJ Moore. We both really like DJ Moore as a talent. We both really like DJ Moore as a player. We think he's been, you know, unlucky in terms of his, his spot and his quarterbacks throughout his career. But him coming on to the, um, the Bears, there's cause for concern with their expected pass volume, right? And this is what is, is hindering his, his projections inside of our, our rankings. And when we take a look at the expected pass play, the Bears come in at number three, bottom three, I should say, inside the league. We have them behind Atlanta and Tennessee here in 2023, um, and they were dead last last year. So we did give them a bump in efficiency um, quite a bit. Actually, would we give them like 60, 60 more pass attempts versus last year or something like that? Um, and so when we... When when we take a look at this offense as a whole, we expect them to be better. We expect them to, to move the chains. We expect them to be able to to have you know more completions and to be able to throw the ball a bit more. Yet, it is a rushing quarterback. Rushing quarterbacks tend to tuck the ball and run when they're in trouble, and we don't expect them to look at that receiver for an outlet. And so when we consider in all these, again, new coach, new system, new quarterback, right? Everything we just talked about with the quarterback situation. Here we are again. We're talking about it, the receiver position. And on top of it, they're expected to have one of the lowest passing volumes inside the league. There's definitely cause for concern. Dario, want to top it off? Yeah, I, I think I would. I, I mean, I first of all agree with everything you said. I think the biggest thing in terms of passing efficiency for this offense, you mentioned rushing quarterbacks do like to tuck in and run. We've seen that a lot with Justin Fields. And I think one of the biggest things that concerns me with Fields still is his sack rate. I mean, he's consistently near the top of the league in sack rate and sacks. I mean, I know their offensive line hasn't been good, but sacks are quarterback stat at the end of the day. I firmly believe that. I mean, if you look at when quarterbacks change teams, they tend to bring their sack rates with them. It's more predicted by a quarterback than the offensive line, than by the head coach or anything else. So I think Justin Fields, even with improvements on the offensive line, is going to continue taking sacks. I think they're going to continue being a run-heavy team. They drafted Roshan Johnson, so they're going to have that three-headed backfield on top of Justin Fields. You know, the coaches have been hyping up Fields' growth as a passer, but I think that, you know, like you said, we've given them a bump of a cushion of 50 more pass attempts 
than our like simple formula of looking at past years would indicate they should have. And we've also given Fields a bump in efficiency throwing the ball because you know we're assuming, hey, he's got DJ Moore now. The overall quality of the targets that he is distributing is going to be higher. And that's all factored into our price already. And that comes out at wide receiver 29. And then you see that on underdog, it's wide receiver 19. I was I was shocked to see him ahead of, I don't know, both Chargers receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Watson, London, Christian Watson, too, who uh, we'll hear more about in just a second. But yeah, some of the names that he's going ahead, I think it's just a little too optimistic. I think that people are chasing that A.J. Brown type of outcome, right? I mean, we've seen A.J. Brown when he changed teams. The Eagles became the Eagles were still really run heavy last year, but you know, people because of AJ Brown's success, I think people are looking past that and saying DJ Moore can be the next AJ Brown. Or when Stefan Diggs went to the Bills and he was going in the sixth round on underdog and he was one of the smash picks of the entire season. It just seems tough to project DJ Moore into that role because the Bears are not going to be as good of a team as the Bills or Eagles were these last couple of years, just because of the rest of the roster. I mean, they've been they're very much still in the middle of a rebuild. And Justin Fields is still developing quarterback. So I think it's hard to see DJ Moore ascending to this. And then also, I don't think that Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool and Cole Komet are total nobodies. Like, I mean, we have Chase Claypool projected for only 11% of the target share right now. It could easily be higher than that for Claypool. He was 14, 15, 16% guy in Pittsburgh. Darnell Mooney is projected for 18% because of the arrival of DJ Moore. But Mooney was always a 25, 26% guy these last couple of years. So I think that there's going to, people are underestimating the target competition. People are overestimating the pass volume. And DJ Moore is looking like a clear fade right now. Love it. I love everything you said. Agree with it fully. I don't even need to add anything. You touched base on everything else. Um, let's talk about the receiver that we are drafting at ADP right now. So underdog ADP for this player, Christian Watson is wide receiver 22, going behind DJ Moore, who we just talked about. Wide receiver 15 inside of our rankings. Uh, a lot of it is due to just not as much comp- competition and targets over here in Green Bay. There was a lot of vacated targets in this offense. Uh, we expect this passing volume to be uh, much higher than Chicago, more middle of the pack. If you take a look, I think we have them. Where, where, where do we have them at? Green Bay. Green Bay comes in middle of the pack, exactly. So like team 17. Um, and so... Christian Watson, we all know what he did when he burst onto the scenes last year. Um, <laughs> boy, was I wrong on him when he when he came out, right? But he he had that streak where it was just three touchdowns, two touchdowns, one touchdown, one touchdown. I mean, he scored seven touchdowns in four weeks. If if that's that speaks to the ceiling that we've seen already for Christian Watson. Right. And 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 now he gets to play an entire season. He was Jordan Love, but we saw success on the game that Jordan Love played with him and Christian Watson as well. Um, and so love love the fact that he has less competition for targets. Right. He's he's facing off now. So we have the likes of Lazard is now gone. Right. Cobb, as dusty as he is, was on the field last year. Cobb is gone. Right. The rest of this offense we have. Let's take a look. We have Romeo. There's really nothing. Jaden Reed was was uh, was a draft. Jaden Reed is interesting, and then I think Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are still always going to see a fair share of targets out of the backfield. But I mean, when we were debating Traylon Burks versus George Pickens, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, 
one of the things I look to when we're talking about how talented is a wide receiver is yards per route run. And Christian Watson got 2.4 yards per route run as a rookie. I almost said as a freshman there, <laughs> but and that's that's an impressive number. DJ Moore also cleared that threshold as a rookie in his defense. He was at 2.12. And we've seen DJ Moore be held back by mediocre quarterback plays entire career. And he's still been one of those guys who hovers around two yards per route run. But the fact that Christian Watson got to that level as a rookie tells us he's a true stud at the NFL level. And he's going to be able to continue to be a difference maker. And I think that Jordan Love is going to have to lean on him. I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what this offense looks like without Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers called the plays. He determined the tempo and how it's kind of like separating Brady from Belichick. We're going to see if Matt LaFleur is really as capable of a head coach as he has looked for the last couple of years. And I think that regardless of that, they're still going to be throwing the ball a decent bit. They might be a little more run heavy, but it's, it's just like we have a clear alpha receiver from what we saw last year. And no one else at all outside of the running backs to throw to. So. And this is kind of opposite of the DJ Moore situation. We talked about the target share, right? And the, the competition for targets. We're modestly projecting Christian Watson in this offense for 22% of the target share. This could be a scenario kind of opposite of what you discussed earlier, where he could easily see 23, 24% of the target share because we have Romeo Dobbs right now for nearly 15%. We have Jaden Reed at 15%. We have a rookie tight end at 9%. We have the other rookie tight end here at 6.5%. There was, when I say there was a lot of vacated targets, this was one of the highest amount of vacated targets in the league. And so I know we can't just use vacated targets to say end all, end all with fantasy. You have to be able to earn those targets as well. But Christian Watson earned those targets as a rookie. We expect him to lead this offense inside of target share. 22% is modest. If that goes up, we could be talking about a back-end wide receiver one uh, if he continues with, with his touchdown rate. Um, that rate last year was unsustainable, but even if we do have you know flashes of that best ball like we're talking about right now at underdog, this is the exact kind of receiver that you want. Mm-hmm. And then I think also, right, you mentioned targets, and Watson was a 25% target per route run guy. So yards per route run, targets per route run, he's clearing the benchmarks that we look for in alpha receivers. Obviously, nothing against DJ Moore as a player. He clears those benchmarks too, but we think that situationally, Watson is going to have a lot more opportunity and the Bears offense we know to be rather run heavy, whereas the Packers offense with Jordan Love is kind of a little bit more of a mystery box. All right, now my favorite position that nobody in the industry could get right last year. Let's talk about tight ends. Um, Let's start off with ones that were fading and it seems to be a, a pretty consistent theme here it seems like we're fading rookies here so laporta comes in as tight end 23 my uh, mayor comes in as tight end 21 and on underdog it's tight end 28 and 31 or sorry backwards so 23 on underdog for for laporta 21 on underdog for for mayor in our rankings tight end 28 and 31 respectively I, I I like Laporta. I like the landing spot, but we just always have to be concerned with rookies in their year one production. I mean, outside of of a couple names, it is very rare that a, a tight end, a rookie tight end, bursts into the NFL and immediately sees a 10 plus percent target share, capitalizing in the red zone, 500, 600 yards. It just doesn't happen, right? There's a reason why it takes tight ends time to develop. We've talked about it time and time again. They're learning their blocking. They're learning their routes. There's two There's two positions to learn here as a tight end in the NFL. 
And certain tight ends like Kincaid, right, who are going to be used primarily as a receiving option, great, they're going to have that role, but it's going to limit their snaps altogether as a tight end in the NFL. And anytime you have your snaps limited, there is cause for concern from a fantasy perspective. And so although we like the landing spot for Laporta Mayor, we like them as dynasty prospects, we have to say temper your expectations for year one, especially inside of seasonal. Best ball, great, take some gambles, but again, temper those expectations. I mean, hell yeah, you could absolutely throw Kincaid into this conversation because we also have him in the 20s in our tight end rankings seasonal, and he is tight end 11 on underdog. So he's probably the most extreme example of this, of all of these rookie tight ends. But I think that people who are hyping up rookie tight ends right now and driving up this ADP are misunderstanding the nature of rookie tight ends. I mean, Kyle Pitts had a great rookie year for tight end, absolutely. And Pat Fryermuth also delivered as a rookie. I think seeing those two guys in 2021 deliver as rookies is driving up a lot of this hype because, I mean, trying to think of any rookie tight ends from last year who did anything. And it's like you had a couple games from Greg Dulcich, right? That was, that was, I mean, Chigo came on hot. Had a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, if you're drafting someone at tight end 11 or even tight end 21 and tight end 23 and you get, the kind of season that, you know, Dulcich or Conquo gave you. I, I just think people's expectations are getting way too high for these rookie tight ends. Tight end 11, he's going he's going right now, eight, not even eight spots, 7.2 spots behind Pat Fryermuth. Dalton Kincaid is right now on underdog. He's going yeah. ahead, of, ahead of Dalton Schultz, who's projected right now to be the number one most targeted weapon inside the Houston offense, as disgusting as that sounds. He's going ahead of Chigo. He's going ahead of Cole Komet. And he's going ahead of Cole Komet by nearly 20 picks. He's going ahead of Chigo by nearly 20 picks. He's going 30 picks ahead of Greg Dulcich. And Greg Dulcich had flash, flashed last year as well. And now he gets, you know, Sean Payton. So common theme here, we're fading these rookie tight ends inside these, these drafts. Although I can say yeah. get, get some shares. We want some exposure, but I wouldn't be targeting these guys every draft. I think that this is at least partly driven by the fact the draft was last week and everyone's really excited for these rookie players overall, like Bijan and Anthony Richardson and these tight ends. I would hope to see their prices drop a little bit because I do want to get more exposure to them. I think that they're all exciting players. But if you're comparing Dalton Kincaid and Chico Conquo, you have one guy who's already done it at the NFL level and who has a chance to be a top two target earner on his offense. And then another guy who we just have never seen take an NFL snap. And then, I mean, it it feels really counterintuitive to be betting against these rookies so hard because we know that rookies do generally have the most upside as an overall category of player, but it just doesn't make sense at these prices. I think that people are taking it too far to the extreme and these guys are being overdrafted, unfortunately. Well, let's talk about a tight end that we do like um, and somebody who escaped this draft pretty unharmed. We talked about this offense a lot. We've talked about this offensive coordinator a lot. I really like this. The quarterback. We've, we've had debates amongst his quarterback. <laughs> let's talk about Gerald Everett. He comes in as tight end 15 in our rankings. Underdog comes in as tight end 22. Wait, let's I want to take a, just dive into the projections. So let's head on over to the AFC West and let's talk about this offense as a whole. So we know Justin Herbert throws the ball, right? And if we take a look at the 
team plays this year an expected pass play. They are the number one offense in expected pass attempts with 672. That is 20 more than Kansas City. So on a baseline, we could probably expect them in the 650 range or higher. So expected pass volume, number one, through the roof, right? Number two, quarterback, Justin Herbert, who's shown the talent, shown the arm strength. He's definitely inside the dynasty community as well as redraft as a top-tier quarterback. You take a look at the offensive weapons who we have talked about time and time again who have face you know injury uncertainties with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right? Who consistently miss games, whether it's soft tissue issues or lower leg extremities, right? Gerald Everett escaped this draft without them adding anybody at the, at the position, right? He has Darnold Parham playing behind him, who has had now concussions concerns. And the last one he had was extremely scary, could have ended his career, right? They got Trey McKitty. Okay, whoop-de-doo, doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> and so when we look at his opportunity, he's in line for 12, 13% of the target share. That's 84 targets in this offense. When you put it that way, right? If he was in a lower passing volume offense like the Bears, 12% isn't anything. But in an offense that's expected to throw the ball 650 plus times in the season, 84 targets is a meaningful amount, especially from a tight end position. We take a look at his, his cash percentage. We actually gave him a, a decrease in efficiency this year which he still comes in as 56 receptions gives him just under 600 yards and five scores. I mean, there's a lot to like about Gerald Everett. I know he's had his drops, you know, last year, especially, but when you have this much volume as a pass catcher, especially as a tight end, you have to, it has to draw your attention. I think it, it resembles the Joe Mixon pick to me. Cause it's not really, it's not really fun or exciting, right? You, no one wants to draft Gerald Everett, but, he was the tight end 13 overall last year, tight end 11 in points per game. And he, now he's being drafted as the tight end 22. Like that makes very, very little sense to me. He earned a 14% target share in an elite offense. I think that you could say that was partly due to the injuries to the receivers and maybe it'll go down a little bit. And they drafted Quentin Johnston, which we projected, but, but those other guys could you know, there's always a chance they get hurt again. They're not getting any younger. We know that tight ends tend to age a little bit better and more gracefully than wide receivers. So I think that, I mean, he had 87 targets last year. You said our projections for 84 and it puts him at tight end 15. That's still saying he's going to regress a little bit from last year's tight end 11 in points per game. But why is he being drafted at tight end 22? I, it's not making much sense to me. People initially thought that he might have been a cut candidate, that he might have been let go. They were going to draft tight ends. And look, he he's, you know, come through this unscathed and 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 he's still being drafted at kind of where his floor would be on his floor, in my opinion. And so I think enough's enough. We got to start drafting more Everett. I've been kind of locking him in every every time I'm in those late rounds and I see him. This is one of the reasons why I wait on tight end, because you can find values like Gerald Everett. I mean, that's seven spots of just positional value. If you look at his ADP. He's going to pick 171 right now. You can get him super late. Right. And that's like ADP is uh, the first word in ADP is average. So (laughs) people have gotten him much later than that, too. It's that's insane to me. (laughs) Yeah, I love like the three late tight end builds where you can get, you know, Jacecki late. You can get Gerald Everett late. You can get Hayden Hurst late. You can get, you know, somebody even like Jelani Woods late. Right. Yeah, like I'm. Wouldn't you rather throw a dart on Jelani Woods 40 picks after Sam Laporta or 100 picks after Dalton Kincaid? Like, geez. Absolutely. Yeah, these the the tight end hype in general. Like I said earlier, people need to remove the dynasty hat when they're in redraft season and best ball season. 
because it's you start to see it, it just get blended, right? And we see the ADPs, like you said, skyrocket after the draft. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's fortunate for us as we're drafting against folks like this, <laughs> but unfortunate for them as they're, you know, possibly being the rake this year. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it, but by all means, be the rake. Someone's got to be the rake. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> and we've all done it, haven't we? Yeah. Um, well, Dario, always a pleasure when the man and the machine agree on the rankings and the projections. Um, what else are we working on behind the scenes? What are I mean, you working on right now? I know that we've been uh, quality controlling data analysis a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, we've also got the injury finder. 2023 uh, injury predictions are they're, they're being brewed. I think that they're basically ready. We, we're, uh, we're coming up with, with the hype plan to, to get the injury finder back out to the people again this year. And then we're just all constantly working on these projections and rankings. I think that we're, we're going to be having some conversations about adding kicker and defense projections soon. So that's exciting for those of you who still play in leagues with kickers and defenses. I don't know why that's a thing anymore, but, but we're going to have finder app is out, right? You yeah. The breakout, breakout finder, finder has been app has been out has been app. <laughs> yeah. Breakout finder. If you haven't downloaded the breakout finder, not using that in your rookie drafts for dynasty, then you really need to get on that because that is uh, absolute hack. So just, too many, too many things to discuss in in one quick segment here going on player profiler. Yeah, we have a busy, busy, busy roadmap, and we're not done. We have the draft kit coming out in a couple weeks. Um, there's a, a plenty, plenty things that we're working on behind the scenes. So uh, make sure that you keep your eyes and your ears peeled. They will be announced as we update them, as we launch them. But we have an exciting offseason plan for all of you. Thank you for your loyalty as subscribers. Thanks for tuning in to the show, Man vs. Machine. We will see you all back here next week. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.